Hey, what's yeah. going on, man? <laughs> yeah, you good, man? Yeah, good. I wish so. Yeah, I'm very well, man. I'm all right at the moment, to be fair. Yeah, I feel actually feel really good at the moment. Amidst all of this fucking chaos that's going on in the in the fucking world, I actually feel bad. Yeah, well, yeah, pretty bad at the moment. How come you're in uh, Australia? You you've been fucking locked down there, or, or what? Kinda, yeah. So I mean, I was meant to I was meant to be here for work for like I had three dates in Australia, and then meant to go over to like New Zealand, America, and then the Middle East. And obviously, like everything went to hell, and so I got I got here in Melbourne. And the event I was supposed to do, I got to Melbourne like a month ago, and uh, the event I was supposed to do was like still going on. And then like three days before they canned it, and I was like, oh, fuck. So I had to go into like quarant, like self isolate, like uh, like a fourteen day self quarantine thing when I landed. Yeah. So I stayed in Melbourne for like two weeks, and then I had one more gig in Perth the next weekend that got canceled. So like I right, will just ride it out in Melbourne and see what's going on. I had another one in Sydney like a few weekends ago, and like owner was like, I really want to do it still. Like, all right, whatever, I'll just drive to Sydney. I got to Sydney and it was like, it was just too, like too much heat around it. It would have been like kind of bad press. So we're like, all right, we scrapped it. Now my girl is Australian. Oh, uh, really? So okay. Yeah. So she can't leave. Like international flights are just not like, I can't leave. Like international yeah. flights aren't going until June. It's fucking crazy. So, but really? I'm good, man. Like I got, I got the online stuff. So like, yeah, chilling, just kind of hanging out. I think it's it's one of these things as well. It's like for me, the first kind of two to three weeks of what was going on, like I was so fucking bitter. Like I was bitter. I had so much like frustration because like prior to this, prior to being back in the UK, I was actually out in Dubai. So I was in Dubai doing workout in Dubai for like five or six weeks, uh, like training, like living the life, eating all of this fucking lush food, like training in all these fucking amazing dream gyms, like Oxygen Gym, one of the best gyms in the world, like training there. And then I literally, I came back to the UK for a week to sort some bits out. And then I was I was due to fly back out to Dubai, be in Dubai for another uh, two weeks and then fly out to New Zealand. And the, within the space of me coming back to the UK, it all got cancelled and everything got shut down. And, and for the first two weeks, I was like, fuck, like, like really fucking angry, like really, really bitter because... Like I hadn't, I hadn't prepared for it. I mean, no one, no one really could prepare for it. But if I had a little bit more time, I'd at least make sure that I had some equipment here, some like training stuff to do with my training and stuff. Like I'd, I would have made sure that I had like enough work to keep me like occupied for that amount of time. But yeah, I literally had nothing. So the first two weeks, I was, I was like, fuck's sake. But now, now, like, it, it got to the point where I was kind of like, I had to take a look at myself in the mirror. And be like this. This this period of time, it could potentially be fucking six months. At this point, no, no one fucking knows. Like at this point, nobody did know. So I was like, what do I want to get out of this at the end? Do I just want to be a fucking bitter, fucking twisted person with like no progress or regressed my progress, or do I want to take this opportunity to kind of fucking level myself up a little bit? So yeah, I started putting implementing like routines into my day and. Like the biggest thing for me was not having a gym, not being able to train. So I, and everywhere's fucking sold out. Like in the UK, you can't get hold of equipment. You can't get hold of barbells. You can't get hold of, you can't even get hold of a dumbbell. Like people were selling uh, like 
fucking dumbbells from like 19 fucking 75 on 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 like uh facebook marketplace for like 50 60 fucking quid i'm like what like what's going through people's minds so i ended up salvaging a load of fucking scrap and making my own fucking equipment so i got like scaffold poles and concrete weights and i just fucking made the fucking lot of it and i was like fuck this shit i'm just gonna make it myself <laughs> which took a bit of time but i'm like you know what it's given me that routine back in my day where i can at least focus on like getting in because i'm lucky enough to have like a, a garage like an outside fucking uh like area where i can fucking train so yeah it just gives me that time back and that routine back where i can just go in there train do my thing and then it's it, it's 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 mad how much that can completely lift your fucking day. Just having the ability to be able to go and go and take some aggression out on some fucking weights, albeit that the weights are fucking from a builder's yard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, any point of the storm, man. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so what's new with you? We haven't spoken in like. Everything. Well, I think I think we haven't spoken in like year year. It's coming up to about a year now, right? So I've yeah, just hit record. June, I've man. just yeah, I've just hit record. So with my podcast, I just like to kind of like just keep it flowing. So yeah, I've already hit record. Right. So we'll go from now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been uh, dude, everything and nothing, man. Like I, I was lucky enough to kind of move some of my education space, like some of my education stuff, into the online space, like um, probably nine months ago now. So mm-hmm. had a bit of a backup plan, like because I don't have a home, eh? Like I've been I've been traveling. Like, so when I seen, so when I saw you in June, I'd been on the road for like probably about a year at that point, mm. just steady traveling, like living out of hotels and things like that and not really having a place to kind of, kind of hang my hat. That's mine. So it was still amidst, like I was meant to be traveling right through to the end of, right through to the end of this year, like a different, different city every weekend for different events and stuff. But mm with all this kind of shut down, it's obviously thrown a spanner in the works, but just like you said, right? Like you got time, you might as well try and make the most of it. So concentrated some more of my efforts on what we've been doing online and had some time to sit back and like write. I have a book that I uh, should be getting to my publishers in like three or four weeks. So I had some time to sit down and crank away at that, but yeah, man, just kind of take it as it comes, which is the nice thing about like, tr- like traveling. I mean, you know, you travel a lot, but like for me, it was taking it as it comes is pretty much like your whole routine when you're on the road all the time, like stuff can change like that. A flight get canceled, flight gets delayed. You, you don't know where you're going to end up. So it's kind of, it was easy for me. It's like, oh, okay. Like this is actually, I probably needed this. Like, you know, I've been mm-hmm. in, even this year alone, I've been in like five or six different countries up until the travel ban. So um, once everything got shut down, I was like, all right, I'll take this as a sign that I probably need to chill out for a bit. So yeah, it's been, it's been sweet, man. Like get to do more stuff like this, that like, you know, most people, it's so hard to coordinate schedules where now it's like, if someone's like, I mean, we have the podcast too, eh? So it's like, if I message mm-hmm. someone, it's like, Hey, like, we'd love to get you on. And they say, ah, you know, the schedule. It's like, look, man, I get it. Like it's personal. Like, don't be a fucking asshole. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing? What do you, what do you have to show going like, is yeah. it like, are they rerunning like friends or something and you can't miss it? Like, what do you, what do you mean you don't have time, you prick? So that's nah, been good, man. Kind of making the most of it. Yeah, that's kind of the way that I've looked at it because I, so for a long, long time, I wanted to kind of kick this podcast off and I'd had like maybe four, three or four episodes like that I'd recorded prior to me, prior to like uh, isolation and quarantine. 
but this is one of the biggest things that I've kind of wanted to take from this whole time is like the ability because I'm, I'm 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 a massive introvert like I'm, I'm the sort of person who will just kind of I'm happy just sitting in my own company in my room like in, in my office area just just typing away and just working on stuff by myself but it's almost like now that now that somebody has taken like the ability for me to go out whenever I want to go out or the ability to me to just go and train wherever I want to train it's almost like now I'm just kind of like I'm craving it I'm craving interact uh, human interaction I'm craving conversation and again like it's I've uh, I've I took the I've taken this opportunity and sat down and really thought to myself like what do I want to what do I want what do I want to come out of this and be better at and for me, more than anything, it's my ability to communicate with people. It's my ability to like build relationships with people, my ability to kind of network and like just fucking talk about shit that I feel fucking passionate about. And I'm luck I'm luckily enough to be in a position where I know a, a certain amount of people. I know guys like you who are in the industry and you're well educated and like you will be able to add as much value to my kind of platform you know, more, more value than what I can add. So I'm really blessed in that opportunity. So for me, not taking advantage of that would be fucking ridiculous, you know? The crazy thing for me when you reached out for the podcast was like, man, this is going to be, a, cause that's like taking your best, your best tools away from you. Like just what you do with your edits and stuff. And like, even like you said, <laughs> I remember like, because through what, it, all right, I think I got this Venn diagram, right? It was Ben to Spearman to Charlie to you. Did I get that right? Like that's how you got taken into the into the fold there is that is that did i put all those pieces uh together? yeah kind of like yeah yeah it was probably kind of like that yeah yeah i don't know if it was yeah. exactly in that order but yeah definitely like that and i remember like ben showing me like the stuff you do for charlie and like looking at like the the the, the freeze frame and you superimpose like all the muscles i remember the exercise it was like a lap pull down at king mm. at king's and Charlie's like lifting away or whatever, doing his thing. And then it's just an Instagram clip and he just froze. And all of a sudden it was just like, like all the skin like burned off and it was like all the muscles. And I was like, what kind of Spielberg shit is this? What the fuck did I just, this is way too high production value. Like Charlie, nothing against you, man. But this guy's making you look like a fucking rock star. So when he came yeah. out to me, I was like, we're doing podcasts. And I was like, yeah, sweet. Wait, wait a minute. Podcast. Like that's just audio. Like where's, how are you going to like, burn off my skin and put like a pair of delts on me for me like that's definitely like i don't know that's it's it's neat to have like a little bit of like versatility i think right like i know plenty of guys in the you know the av space like with what you guys do that's that's literally honestly one of my biggest frustrations in the last week i was sitting around talking with kayla today and like one of my biggest frustrations with this is i have a, like a videographer that i work with in canada Right. So yeah. she's like on, on retainer. She works with us. Like, she, you know, we work remotely whenever I travel and like, she's good at like content creation and like, Hey, I need to do a lead magnet. I need this PDF. I need this document like done up all sweet with our branding. Boom on it. And like with what you guys do, it's like literally of the, it's the lifeblood of the fitness industry. Like it's everyone's first hire is like a good AV, like knows how to knows aspect ratios, knows edits, knows, you know, uh, Photoshop and all this stuff. And yeah. like, now I have to like, I have projects that I have to do online, um, like for like courses for some of my contracts, like, Hey, can you get us an online barbell course? It's like, yeah, like I'll put something together. So I'm paying for a videographer in Toronto and now I got to pay for another one in Sydney. And that's mm -hmm. like my, honestly, my biggest thing is like, I just want to get around my videographer again. I just want to get around the person behind the lens because that's like, for us, that's like the whole business, man. 
Yeah, I think, uh, and so you have a solid one that you have back in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, how long have you had that? Is it a guy or is it a girl? Girl. And how long have you been like in, like, have, have you, how long have you been friends? How long have you been working for you? For? So I've been, I've known her for about three years. Um, she's in, she's like one of the strongest pound for pound power lifters on the planet. She's like a really? hundred, uh, so what, like 50 kilos, maybe less. What's her name? And like, uh, her name's Alora Griffiths. Okay. I'm going to look her up. So like, she knows, like, the nice thing is like, she knows the ins and outs of lifting. Right. So a lot of what we yeah. do is in the gym and it's like, you know, you, you get some of these guys who are very like cinematic in the way they shoot. It's like, mate, I didn't, I couldn't even see how many plates were on the bar. I could have been, I could have been deadlifting fucking 135 or like 100 kilos, but there was fucking 300 kilos. Why didn't you get that? And you're just like, ah, oh, fuck. So it was, it's hard to find someone who has both. So I knew her for years. She actually worked for a, a friend of mine, their company. They have a company in the fitness industry, uh, but they're based out of Miami. She was up in Toronto. The distance thing didn't really work. Um, so she, what the nice thing with her is she travels with me sometimes, which is fucking sick because mm -hmm. I'll do like seminars, you know, once a weekend, like three day courses. And just to get that captured, man, like for our business is so huge, especially having an online component. So like yeah. I wake up, she's already working. She's got like three or four posts queued up in draft. Like, hey, write captions for that. I'll post it as you're going. Like does vlog stuff on our YouTube is, yeah, just a gun, man. So like, you know, every quarter we take a month and she comes with us and travels around with me and Kayla and then you know, for the next three months, we got enough content. Then once that's up, she comes on the road again. So we've done, uh, I've done I think three, three trips with her or something like that. And then she has all the stuff for the time in between. It's, it's a sick deal, man. Yeah, it's good. And going back to the point where you made about how it annoys you or it can be frustrating where you see these really like, I appeal like these appealing uh, videos of like cinematic pieces that people can create, and I like I don't take anything from it. It's fucking insane. Like some some of the things that you see on on social media nowadays are literally like film production. But at the same time, there's kind of this element of like I feel a lot of that is being done to kind of portray an image of someone who isn't exactly who they are. But when it gets to a kind of a level like where you're at, where your main like I guess like your main objective is to put across like high quality valued content where people can actually see almost like, I don't know, technique and with all of like your, your mobility drills and things like that. It doesn't necessarily like correlate because you can make something look really fucking pretty, but at the end of the day, you're there to put it out, to give people like to educate people on what it is that you're doing. And so I get that completely. Like people become frustrated with it. I'm lucky enough that I started off. Well, I still do coach. Like I still, I still do one-to-one -one coaching. I still do some online coaching. Um, it just happens. So happens that I've kind of been able to mix my two passions of like being able to create videos and do photography and stuff like that alongside still coaching. So I guess that for me is where the kind of I don't necessarily think I have an edge, but for me, I invested so many, so many years on uh like learning anatomy learning the human body learning biomechanics so for me it just ties in well because when i can create videos like the muscle pop videos which take for fucking ever by the way <laughs> like they take so really long bad. to fucking create and the thing that the hard thing about that is is when you create something like that now i'm always trying to chase it i'm always trying to when i put them out on my own on my own page i'm kind of like yeah i can't really ever put something that's subpar now because people will be like oh what's going on here like you're taking a step back 
So, yeah, but, like, it, it's a massive bonus to have, like, I guess a videographer and if you've got it, and it's part of your business as well, right? Because if you're going to, if you're going to progress in your business, then inevitably somewhere down the line, you're going to have to kind of take on people and take people on board and to help you with things like that. Cause you're only a one man person, right? But for those of those, I, for, for those of you who, who are listening to this, who don't really kind of know you or don't know your background, who may be following me, but may not be following you. Like give people a brief like rundown of like who you are, where you came from and where, what, how you found yourself, where you are now. Yeah. So um, my name is Jordan Shallow. Um, I'm from Canada originally. Uh, I'm a chiropractor by trade and a strength and conditioning coach. So I uh, did an undergraduate uh, in kinesiology in Toronto, Ontario. Did, my, did grad school at chiropractic college in uh, Santa Clara, California. And that's kind of what got me into like the industry, so to speak. Uh, so first job out of school, I worked as a corporate chiropractor at Apple's world headquarters in Cupertino, California, um, met, uh, what seemed to be like a pretty influential dude in my life named Dan Green. So Dan's like a really competitive or oops, uh, I don't know how many world records he has, um, arguably one of the greatest powerlifters, uh, current at all time. Uh, he just became one of my patients when I was in practice and he sort of convinced me with very little effort to open up a practice inside of his gym in Mountain View, California. So I gave up my cushy six-figure corporate Silicon Valley job and traded it in for making no money in my own practice out of like one of the coolest gyms in the world and um, slowly built up a practice, took on, um, took on a role as head strength and conditioning coach for the Stanford University rugby team. Um, Opened up another practice at a gym called Combat Sports Academy, which is big in like the mixed martial arts, UFC fight camp kind of space. Uh, and started a company and a podcast in 2016. And that's kind of what's really steered the ship for me for the last two years. So the company's called Prescript and we sort of specialize now in like the fitness education space. So over the last two years, I've been traveling around all over the world. If, I don't know how many laps I've done by now, but uh, yeah, so we we specialize in upskilling personal trainers, uh, usually on like a, a bigger scale. We get contracted by uh, major gym franchises to go in, see where their holes are in their current curriculum and create a stratified system to upskill their trainers in-house. Uh, I do some like private or do some like public stuff on the side. Um, you know, like the stuff we did with uh, Ben or stuff I did with Ben Pakulski at Kings where we, where we linked up and yeah, that's really it, man. Like a, a lot of my days and nights are spent on the education side of things. And we run an online curriculum uh, that goes year round every 16 weeks. We, we turn over a new semester of students through our program. I show up and teach live regardless of where I am. So some lecture locations have been my friend's bathroom in Miami, uh, <laughs> a, a Panda Express at the terminal in San Francisco airport. So it's a bit of a running gun lifestyle, but um, yeah, it's, it's been kind of a ride the last couple of years and getting to kind of know the ins and outs of the industry and stuff like that is still kind of like, especially as it's ever changing and especially now with like the whole shutdown stuff. But that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell, man, is, you know, I'm a strength coach, chiropractor, powerlifter. I have a podcast, I talk about some stuff, I write some of that stuff down and I usually do that stuff in an airport terminal or an Airbnb. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a, I'm, I'm coming to grips with the fact that it's atypical because I just left, I left California like two, two years ago and like, I didn't really have a plan. Mm. You know, a lot of shit in my life kind of like fell apart and I was like homeless living in the most expensive place in the world and paying a bunch of rent to places. I'm like, oh, well, this sucks. So I just sold all my shit and was like, all right, fuck it. Here goes. So I had two months booked out with like um i did a, a tour of australia with ben that was like our first seminar um and then i was in like 
America and the Middle East for a little bit. And I was like, I'll figure it out after that. And have really had to really figure it out. So I've just been kind of going ever since. Just kind of going with the flow. I remember when I, when I, uh, when I kind of give a description of, of you to people that maybe not have heard of you before, like I was speaking to a friend yesterday and I was saying, saying that about how I've got you on the podcast and they didn't know who you were. And I was like, how do I describe this guy? And like, basically how I describe it is like, you're like this, I, I can't, I, I can't even do justice because I remember the first time that I saw you, it was kind of like this big dude who looks like a fucking, like almost like a lumberjack with your big fucking beard and you're just a, a big guy in general. And then to, to see that, but to see how fucking mobile you are, it's kind of like, and the only way that I could kind of describe it is like this big fucking powerlifter guy who looks like a fucking lumberjack who can basically move like a fucking ballerina. <laughs> it's, for me, it's like, well, not necessarily a ballerina, but you know, the mobility that you have is quite extraordinary. You don't necessarily see a lot of people who are your size who hold the amount of muscle mass that you have that are not only as mobile as you, but as flexible as you. And for me to describe you to people, it's kind of like, yeah, this guy is is like a fucking wizard. Like if you had a hat on your head, a wizard hat, you'd literally be a wizard. The amount of knowledge that's in your brain. Like what what got you into this whole 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 like thing? Like did you study it from from a young age or? Uh, yeah. So I mean, I was like an early student, not formally, but of of Charles Poliquin. Like I got into weight training because I was into hockey, like everyone in Canada was, right? Like hockey was that was religion. That's, that's what I did from, that's all I read about. That's all from the second I woke up, the second I went to sleep and I dreamed about it every day. And like, that was is in a similar way now that weightlifting and, and training has kind of become that in my life for the first 15 years of my life, it was all hockey. And a part of that is like, you know, if you showed promise at a young age, um, which I did, and you know, you had to start training in the off season, like, you know, you had to try and get bigger and get faster outside of, outside of the arena, like off the ice. So I kind of started working out to get better at hockey. I had no aspirations on being big or strong. I just wanted to be good at playing hockey. And then it was what it was, honestly, man, is I ended up with a trainer who just like to this day, like I've never met, like we all love training and obviously like it, it's what we do every day. And like you talked about putting together like the makeshift cement weights with the scaffolding and all that, like, I've never met and maybe it's just because I know him so well now but like I've never met someone who loved anything like this dude loved training and I didn't even know it was possible like I questioned how much I like how much passion I had for the sport of hockey when I met him and he would talk about training and I was like this is like a whole nother level and it was it was it's it was as if it like almost wore off on me like this dude I got to like he would train me and then you know I was young like I didn't have like a, a car or anything so I had to wait for my mom to pick me up and he was like hey can you like come spot me so he would like do his workouts after he like worked with me for an hour I was like I was shit scared of him man like he was looked like a bulldog jacked out of his fucking mind like just mm -hmm. shredded to pieces and I was like oh, I was like this young 100 and what like like this 80 fucking kilo kid and I was like okay yeah I'll spot you I don't even know what spotting means but I'll come spot you and then you know, he trained me for like a year and then my like sessions were up and he's just like, do you want to just come work out with me? And still like kind of this like super shy, scared of this big, scary dude. And I just worked out with him every day for like seven years. And every day it was just like, holy fuck, man. Like this guy is, you know, he's, when he wrestled in high school, he was like, you know, nine, uh, like 42 kilos or something like that. 
wasn't meant to be a big yeah. guy. So you'd see him like, like what we'd call like a hard gainer kind of, but you know, he would, he would smash back 5,000 calories. Like he'd always just have something like in his hand blended because he couldn't chew food. And I was like, fuck man, this guy's like nonstop 24, seven, 365. Like this guy would die for it. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. And I was just being around, honestly, like if I had to sum it up to one thing, it would be that. It was just being around someone who was so, like, I didn't even know you could be this dedicated about anything, let alone lifting weights. And I was like, this is really cool. Like, I, like he's like my big brother, man. Like, like he says, John, I'm like the godfather to his second daughter. Like he's as much family as anything I have. And it was, it was literally that. It was like, this is so fucking cool to watch this guy try and like kill himself every day. Legit. And there's days where he got close, but it was just like, I want to be, I want someone to look at me the way that I look at this dude. Like, I want someone to look at me like, man, this guy's, this guy's fucked. Like, what is he, what is he doing? Like, dude, like, it's okay. And I'm like, dude, that was just it. I honestly think like that was the biggest catalyst. And he's not like, he doesn't know how to fucking work Instagram. I actually just texted him yesterday because, like, he's on his seventh or eighth account because he doesn't know how to figure it out and just doesn't give a fuck. Like, you'll never, like, you don't see any of his lifts anywhere. No one knows who he is. He's, there's guys, there's things I teach now. Like, I'll rock up to, like, I remember rocking up to, like, a university. It was a guest lecture at a university in Canada. And I just started talking some basic shit that he taught me on day one to a group of, like, four-year undergrads in kinesiology. And they're all like, this is fucking brilliant. I was like, this is how I started lifting weights. This is like literally, this is lifting weights 101. And there's four kids or like 40, 50 kids who spent, I don't know, 100 grand, maybe 80 grand on an undergrad. And they didn't know this stuff. And I got it for free from this dude from Jump Street. So I was like, that would be it, man. Like, it's not a story I tell like super often or a question I get asked, but it's just his, his name's Luke Bernaches. No one really knows who he is. He's just like this big fucking monster that's sitting in this ghetto town in southwestern Ontario. And that was it, man. That was what like got it all started. That's a fucking cool story, though. To be able to get that, though. But do you think that if you were so, do you do you train with him often? Do you go back when you're back, and do you train with him when you're there? Do you yeah. feel like now that almost like it's the students become the master, and now like you find like you can tweak specific things that maybe he he was doing, or do you feel like a lot of the stuff that you uh, kind of like got in your arsenal now like you say you you spoke about like teaching these kids like some of the stuff that you learned from him like do you think that he he gave you a lot of the uh, tools that you have or do you think that there were parts of your training where you look back and you'll be like yeah that could have been a little bit more like beneficial if I'd have done it this way or more optimal if I'd have done it that way that's a good question uh I think no I i you know, because I think what he taught me is the most intangible thing that you can't teach anyone, right? Like, because the stuff that we did was stupid was just that was that was your that, that made you the four star general, man. Like that was jumping on grenades. And it's like you just it just proved that you loved it enough that you would fucking do it. Like we talk about doing like, I mean, I, I wasn't that big. I was maybe like 100 kilos or something at the time and doing like 180 kilo. They were barbell rows kind of in the way, but they were equally part deadlifts at the same time. But it's like, look, you were just crazy enough to do it. And when I go back and train with them, like if there's something that could be tweaked, I mean, it's, you train with someone and I'm sure like you got buddies like this, you train with someone for so long, like it's just headphones in and it's, it's like, it's, it's like a different language. Like I don't have to say anything to them. Like 
I know like what a flow of a workout is going to be. I know what exercises are likely going to come first. I know what kind of reps we're going to hit with like if I'm using a dumbbell versus a barbell, cable versus machine. And it's like any interjection and he the same, like I'm sure he looks at stuff that I do because like, you know, he's obviously has his own opinions on things, but we, there's, there's a collective that look, if the headphones come out and we start chatting and we start trying to get technical, that's going to defeat the purpose. That's not what this is about. Right. And it's almost like, um, it's almost like this idea that like, it's a bit existential, but like the idea that philosophy isn't meant to be written down, it's meant to be like discussed. Mm-hmm. And the way we discuss it is just by lifting weights. So it's like, yeah. and it's hard because it's hard to impart that on people. Like when I teach people, it's like, you know, I want, I want them to learn this. Like it is very much like people are literally sitting down and taking notes. Like it's, you know, in the last 24 hours, I've probably taught around 200 students online and everyone's sitting there and there's on the group call and they're taking notes. And it's like, to impart that, look, at the end of the day, it's reps and sets and we're all in the people business is a really hard thing to do. Like, wait a minute, what the fuck am I paying you for? Like, why am I paying you to learn all this stuff? But no, so with him, man, like, like it's what I hold in the highest value is just like that, that passion to like, look, are you willing to lay out for it? Like, are you willing to go out on your shield? Like to have that honorable death and like, that's, that's it. So if I think like, oh, we should do it on this angle. I shouldn't do that exercise after that exercise it would take away from the whole thing. So like, to me, it's so it's, it's, it's such this like sanctimonious experience that it's like headphones in and just go. And if he said, you know, like, Hey, next set, we're going to run through a wall. It'd be like, okay, how many times? Like that for me, because that's what kids need to learn, man. Like that's the real shit kids need to learn. Like origin insertion. You can find that on Wikipedia. That's not fucking hard, right? <laughs> to have a set of stones to be able to work that hard. That's the stuff I see less and less and less. See, it's good that you brought on to that because it's something that I wanted to talk to you about anyway because the way that I see it, there's so much like you're at the moment right now, social media is kind of like peaking, right? Or I don't say it's peaking because we don't know where it's going to go, but it's, there's, there's so much information out there. There's so many people out there who like good and bad, people that know stuff, people that don't know stuff. But what you find is at the moment is everybody's trying to soak up all this all this information and people want to try and find the, the, and I understand it. Like they want to find the best way or the quickest way to do something or to reach a a certain body type or to build muscle or to lose body fat or whatever it is. But I, I, I feel like somewhere down the line, you have to kind of draw a line and you have to be like, well, yeah, you can know everything that you need to know. You can be at a point where you could perform an exercise to the most optimal standard. So you're going to be targeting that muscle group alone. But does that fucking matter? Like for you, like this is the way that I see it is like you're a powerlifter, right? That's that's what you do, right? So there has to be some fucking like brute fucking almost like this built up fucking like anger and emotion that like it's just rip it and it's just grip it and rip it, right? But we both know as well that powerlifting is come technique is um, plays a massive like role in in powerlifting in general where do you think it's, it lies between knowing like you say a muscle insertion and a, uh, where origin and, and insertion or just go in the gym and just fucking lift some fucking weight because you're going to see a response to that anyway yeah i mean i definitely see both sides of it and like for me i've always been one to like you know ask for forgiveness rather than permission like you got to keep a gangster man like you got to keep a gangster and that, that's about like it's not about what you know it's about what you can prove a lot to me, like when you start to train, like I, I was 20, I remember Kings and Kings is probably one of the most gangster fucking gyms like I've ever <laughs> been in. Like, you know, I'm not from like the best neighborhood in the world, 
but and I know what like prison tattoos look like. I know what gang <laughs> tattoos look like, but I've never been to Croydon in my fucking life. But I was sitting back and I had my headphones in. I was literally like, I would train. I like, I like listening to music. Like I have the same fucking seven song playlist I've trained to since I started. And I was sitting there and I like took my headphones out. I'm like, yo, this is like a vibe in here. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not necessarily like, I don't feel it's not like I feel like I'm in danger, but this is the kind of this is the kind of place where something would pop off. Like I'm just looking at someone, and everyone's so jacked out of their minds, and I'm like, but I'm looking around, like half the guys in here have done time, like a hundred percent half the guys in here have done time. But that's <laughs> it, man. Like is that to me, that was what training was about. Like I come from a town where like no one really had any money, but if you had 20 inch arms, like you were you that was currency that you could trade in, right? Mm. So yeah, I think I think what allows you to operate at like that peak level of aggression without having any doubt is knowing that you've done everything the right way up until that point. Like, yeah. uh, like the phrase, like, look, the dog's got to hunt, man. Like that's what we're wired for. We're, we're literally psychologically wired to carry a load. Now you can carry that load any which way you want to carry it and up any which hill you choose. And that's the best part about all this. But if you're in the gym, you've literally chose to physically manifest that so if you've laid down all the groundwork, that gives me confidence in like, I'm going to, I'm going to go zero to a hundred real fucking quick here. And I know things are going to be safe. And in that safety, you kind of find the ability to really push. Right. And like, you know, I remember training with like, it was Ben and James Hollingshead at, at that King's gym. And it was weird. Like one of Ben's cues that he'll use, like, you know, he likes machines and he obviously got big wheels. So we would find ourselves on the hack squad a lot. And one of the things that he always says in a set when it's like deep into a set and you just fucking hate him when he's yelling at you. And he said one more rep like seven times. I'm like, son of a bitch, man. Stop fucking lying to me. But one of the things he always says, which I take with me, is you're safe. That's one of his cues. Mm. Like when, it, when he's like super deep into a set or like you're super deep into a set and he's spotting you. Like I, I got the pleasure. I trained with Ben and Milos Sarchev uh in january in sydney and it's just like what the fuck am i doing here and like that was one thing like you know milos was like bringing me through this giant set that like lasted for three and a half months i was just doing exercises after exercises into the night and like one thing i could always hear in my ear was ben saying you're safe and it's like oh okay like if you remove that fear then you can really go and i think removal of that fear comes from like knowing you've done everything in that position to be to be safe right so how, how do you find that though? Because obviously your, your, your speciality and where you train for is kind of powerlifting, but how does that kind of translate over to in, onto the kind of bodybuilding scene where you train with the likes of Ben Bukowski and especially like Milos where like for anybody who doesn't know Milos Sarchev and his, his like methods of training, it can only be described as fucking hell on fucking earth. But how, how do you, how do you kind of transition into that style of training? Like, because obviously with a power from being from a powerlifting kind of perspective, like you're talking about like how, I mean, how many repetitions would you ever do in one given fucking, in one given session, you know, like nowhere near the sort of volume that you'd be doing with, with that style of training. So like, how did, how did you find that? Like, how did you transition over to it? And which, yeah, which like, ones, which fun. ones do you, which ones do you prefer? Like if you had to pick, if you had to pick like which one would you do for the rest of your life without having the other one like which one would it be that's tough man like i i to answer the first question like bodybuilding was definitely like my first love like for sure like mm. luke the guy who kind of like mentored me he was more like akin to bodybuilding like we lifted heavy stuff but like nothing like squat bench and dead like i 
you know, I learned powerlifting by happenstance. Like one of my patients turned friends just happened to be one of the strongest guys to ever walk the face of the earth. Like I remember, so I would treat Dan in my office and then we would go train and like, I just didn't know that it wasn't like, I thought that was normal. Like I thought everyone's coach could do what he could do. And I remember going to my first meet, like he kind of convinced me to do a meet. Like I, I was happy just doing bicep curls and trying to look really strong. Mm. And he's like, you know, you should do a meet. So he signed me up for this meet and I did it. And I was worried like a week before I was like, Oh man, like, you know, like, cause my two training him and this other guy, Andrew, like literally they go back and forth on trading the world records. Like, you know, I've seen Andrew, I spot Andrew for a 425 kilo back squat at 110 kilos. Like, it's, it's it's these are my training partners so I, I went to this first meal like, oh, fuck man like i just don't want to get last and he looked at me he's like are you fucked like dude you're gonna beat the brakes off this thing you're gonna win this thing running away no one's gonna be able to touch you by like 300 pounds i'm like what because yeah it's just it's like a meet in santa cruz california like are you serious i was like oh fuck like so i mean having him as a coach really it's almost like the Ro roger bannister effect when some guy literally comes in and goes <laughs> And no, 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 you can leave that. Oh, and could you throw two more plates on there? Thanks. I'm going to start warming <laughs> up now. Let's go. Right. Fuck me. Um, so I think, the, and to answer your second question, man, I think, I think bodybuilding would be what I would adopt just because it's for me, and this might sound weird, it's actually more mentally stimulating to program for bodybuilding than I think it is to program for powerlifting. I find not that program for powerlifting is easy. Um, but I find like, there's so many more moving parts in like, once you really dive into like the biomechanics of training muscles in isolation and trying to keep all the, like all the, all the wheels on the bus, like, that's the thing. Like we all sort of know now, like it's a little bit more popular than it was back in the day, but like this RTS style, Tom Purvis walk something down. How can I really isolate this muscle? But I come in with kind of like my background in, in work and education and go, okay, that's not good for that shoulder that that muscle crosses like that you're making that shoulder really inefficient or you're making that hip really inefficient. So how do I concurrently train, not necessarily for strength or size, but how do I concurrently train for size and function? Right. And then, then that's like, for me that like, I could sit here with like, you know, a, a goodwill hunting fucking whiteboard or chalkboard. And like, you know, I wrote a program the other day for a kicker in the NFL and it took me three hours to write a five day split on one block. And it was just like, cause it's literally like this fucking Sudoku puzzle of like, Oh, if I do that there, I can't do this tomorrow. But if I break this up and well, the intent of this exercise is like rear delt and rhomboid. But if I go, okay, a more isolated rear delt and a more isolated rhomboid. Now I need to integrate some sort of like full function spectrum movement at the shoulder. Cause I'm doing two isolated lock the scap and move the humerus. It's like, or lock the humerus and move the scap. I need to put something that integrates all of that. So I need something that like resembles like a, maybe like a, a landmine press or something, but I can't press because I'm doing floor press here. The next thing you know, you forget what your original point was and you just have like seated calf raises written on like the fourth day. You're like, fuck. But like, I don't know, that to me is just so much more fun. And who knows, maybe the tide will change at some point and I'll end up in like calisthenics or something like that. But for me right now, like, I'm just and have been for like the better part of the last couple of years, just like enamored with the the nuances of like how to concurrently train for size and function rather than necessarily strength. Just it's hard for me to honestly, it's hard for me to train for strength on the road, like to be it to, you know, some of my flights like I did. We were in Manchester, like the, the month after we were out in Croydon 
and I went Manchester to Dubai, Dubai. Well, actually, that was a part of, I was in Vegas, Detroit, Boston, New York, Miami, New York, Manchester, Dubai, Sydney, Ottawa, or Sydney, Vancouver, Ottawa in the course of like 17 days, which is something like 28,000 miles in the air. It's like put in a program that makes sense where you're going to, you know, squat 300 kilos for reps or deadlift 300 kilos for reps. It's just not really in the cards. No. So in like that for me, I think it's just way more. And it's it kind of people like look at that like, really? Like bodybuilding programming isn't just like eat a bunch of food. It's like it can be, but I think it can be so much more than that. Do you think that's where a lot of people kind of like they don't think about the future. They just think about the now and they think about the goals that they want to achieve right now. Because I, I find like obviously being that we're in a time where everybody is kind of portraying an image of themselves online. Everyone's putting out kind of their hash like best version of themselves like physically like there's there's one way to achieve a goal where you can have an incredible physique and i'd never take anything away from any of the guys they work incredibly hard to like look their best but there has to come a point i feel personally where like is that going to serve me later on down the road like do i want to be doing this later on in life and for me like it's always been a case of okay like i don't necessarily have aspirations of being a bodybuilder i don't have aspirations of packing on massive amounts of, of muscle and not taking away from anybody that does want to do that but for me my personal goal is okay so i want to have an aesthetically looking physique i want to function well but more than anything i want to be doing this when i'm like fucking 70 or 80 years old so like when you're talking about people who want to kind of build muscle or people who come to you for coaching and stuff like that like do you feel like a lot of these people are are kind of looking later on in life as well or are they kind of like all or nothing because you you'll know just as much as i do like you can walk into any gym in in, in the world and like you can guarantee that there's going to be a guy in there who's kind of like in his late 50s to 60s where he's kind of like hunched over where he's been doing this fucking bodybuilding style training or whatever training he's been doing for all these like 20 30 years and now he's literally he can't fucking move it's like joints are fucking locked up and that for me is like looking at someone like that i'm kind of like if i'm going to invest all of this time into something if i'm going to invest every single day pretty much in me like trying to better myself in the gym like what is that going to look like later on later on down the line like for anybody out there who's who's like would want that like what would be the advice that you would give to them as to how they can not only build an aesthetically pleasing physique and a mobile and flexible physique but to be able to keep it and have it and be able to perform at a certain level that later on in life, what would the advice be that you'd give to people? Yeah, I think it's a good point, man. It's a good question. Like a lot of people miss the boat when it comes to like, and I, I don't like the term injury, like injury prevention. Cause a guy like that and like, you know, you're willing to really stick your neck out at that point, but I prefer like injury risk management as a, as a term to use. So for me, like the two tenets of injury risk management are not like, you necessarily like how flexible you are they're not necessarily about doing like corrective exercises it's not foam rolling it's not going to your chiro like for a real lifter your best way to prevent injury long term or even short term is two things it's execute only at the highest quality of technique and it's have a program that manages fatigue that's it proper programming and technique like if i had to really put a fine point on what it is that's going to allow someone long term to be that guy at 50 or 60 that is still training rather than that guy, you know, and we know he's got the stringer on, he's talking about the glory days, 
He's got the parachute pants he's been wearing since said glory days. He's got the tapered leather belt and the fucking barbed wire tattoo. He still tans every Tuesday. Like it's, it's fucking, it's sad. But you know what? Like, you know, I, you know what? I, when you were asking me that question, I thought about like the Ronnie Coleman Netflix thing. Mm. Like, you know, he's sitting there and fuck, he's had eight back surgeries, man. And like, I see kids, like I see kids today. Like I, and look, you know, I, I can't speak to the temptation of like social media and having like millions of dollars kind of at my disposal. And like, cause that's, that's in the cards for some people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you get a million followers and you got like a big endorsement deal and you're hanging with short, like, you know, I just think, honestly, I think of Larry Williams and like, I, I know Larry's like the nicest kind of person you'd ever wanted to meet in your life, dude. Like every time I come across him, he's super generous, like super generous with his time just like a kid who loves lifting like everyone else and he's just really fucking good at it but then i see him like i remember a few years ago before teen nationals in miami he hit a 900 pound back squat for a double in sleeves and it's like i couldn't help but think about ronnie putting on that that inzer or that titan suit right and hitting that what 800 for a double or whatever and like fast forwarding 20 years later and ask they're asking like you know what's your regret and it's like i didn't go for a third and it's like yeah, like it pulls at the heartstrings a bit, but man, that's what a guy's got to say to get out of uh, get out of a wheelchair, right? Because otherwise, it's all for nothing. So like, he creates his legacy that way by saying that. But I bet you, if you ask Dexter Jackson, you know, the Blade guy who just a couple of years ago won every Arnold in like he he went down to South America, won it, went to Columbus, won it, went to New Zealand, won it, went to Australia, won it. I bet you ask him, who was only. What, five years younger than Ronnie? It's like, hey man, would you want a few more Olympias and a colostomy bag and a wheelchair? Like, fuck no, man. I'm sweet because guess who gets to live it every day? Every time I go to Venice, man, Dex is in there with his backward visor on and his and his big rider wear fucking basketball jersey, and him and Charles Glass are just making shit up and like they just have I'm like that looks sick, man. At 50 years old, I want to be that dude. You know, obviously not as Jack, but like. I think give those give bodybuilders that option. It's not as appealing though. It's not as appealing. I don't think it. Well, for me, it's appealing. But for like, I guess for like a younger generation or for people who are kind of looking at these guys, like people don't want to see that shit. Like people, people want people get fucking motivated. I mean, you could just go on YouTube and just type in fucking like bodybuilding motivation, and the first like hundred videos that are going to come up is some cinematic piece on some dude like lifting the fucking world on his back you know but there's no I don't think you'll probably go on there and you'll see somebody who's doing like a fucking pigeon stretch you know to motivation like nobody wants to do that shit so what what what, what like how do you how how do you get that in how do you impress that onto people like the importance of it oh man I have to put it in perspective the importance of lifting Mm. I think that's it. Like, I do, like, I, I know a lot of kids, like I know a lot of kids chasing that dream, right? Like I know a lot of kids that like, you know, future Mr. Olympia is in like their Instagram bio. And it's like, there's a lot more to live for, man. Like, you know, and I was that, I was that dude for a long time, man. Like, you know, I had like a decent pedigree at a place where like, you know, I was a well-connected and I could, I was like 10 years younger than the guys I was lifting with and I was showing up to meets and I was winning them and it was sweet. And, but it's like, for what? Right. And not to be diminishing, like it's still, I mean, like I'm still of the mindset, like if you, if you love it, let it kill you. But at the same time, it's like you need to take a hard look in the mirror and like you need to you need to go through some something that resembles personal development. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, reading like the popular book of the day on personal development. Like 
I don't know, go to church, go to four churches, like figure your, figure your life out. I think that's like something is, yeah, it's, I totally get it, man. And trust me, I watched absolutely zero Dexter Jackson videos when I was a kid. I watched Ronnie Coleman leg press 2,600 pounds, probably to the point where if I typed R in on the YouTube search field, it would auto-populate Ronnie Coleman leg press is 2,600 pounds, right? Yeah. So like, but at the same time, it's like as you get older and like hopefully you gain some like perspective and you take some time to progress in other avenues outside of the gym, like with your relationships and your family and stuff like that, it'll just kind of like not go the wayside, but it'll it'll be that utility that's there that allows you to do other things. But like you said, like, man, it's crazy what a difference it makes when you can go out into the woodshed with, you know, the chain link fence and the cement block dumbbells and the scaffolding, how, how much more productive you are, like how much the, all the other stuff that you worked hard on can be of a complement to that. Right. Now, if you came back in and you had to ice your knees and you had to like take a bunch of ibuprofen and painkillers and go to sleep and get injections and, you know go to surgery it's like well that would just take away that's not really the point right so that's something that like and look i've had to have this conversation with some guys in the past where it's like look dude this is where you're headed like you're headed i remember do you remember watching generation or up uh, pumping iron or no bigger faster stronger the chris yeah. bell movie yeah where like chris goes to venice and i i know that like i i, I go to venice a lot so i could i see the guy from time to time or i saw him in the past like that one guy who's living out of his van to train at mm. venice yeah. Vanish Beach or Gold's Vanish Jesus. And they're like, yeah, it's like, you know what? I might not have the fastest car, but if we can go in and we can out squat him and we can out bench him. And Chris's <laughs> face is kind of like, what the fuck? It's like Homer Simpson <laughs> into the bushes. Like, yeah. what are you saying? You live in like a 1987 Westphalia mm. van. Like, this thing runs mm. on propane, you crazy fuck. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I think it's just perspective, man. To be fair, though, like, who will know? Because potentially this that guy might have it. Like, the passion might be so fucking strong inside of his head that he, he feels like that is his life and that is his, like, be-all and end-all. But it just, for me, it just seems like it's just a facade for the majority of people. It's just a facade. And when they're in their own thoughts, when they're lying in their bed at night, majority of the time, people, when they're in their own thoughts, like, they don't want that. They don't want that. And I had a conversation, actually, funny enough, I did a podcast yesterday with a guy and we was talking and I made the analogy of like this time, especially, especially when we're in a time where nobody knows what the fuck's going on. Majority of people are like around the world are being locked down into their fucking houses. They're not allowed to go out. They're not allowed to see people. Like one of the big things for people who are in the fitness industry, especially coaches or professional athletes, like it's been taken away from you. Like you, you want to be able to go and train, you want to be able to go and do that. And it becomes frustrating, but utilize this time on building relationships. Like for me massively, like I'm taking this time and I'm taking a step back and I'm trying to like, hence why I'm trying to speak with you because I want to try and like improve things on my mobility, improve things on my flexibility because week two of isolation and not doing any much training or much movement, like the sciatic pain that I had running through my fucking leg was horrendous. So that that was kind of like a shock for me, shock in the system to be like, come on, let's take this time to sort my shit out. Like I'm the, probably the most unflexible, fucking immobile fucking person going on the fucking planet. I walk around like a cardboard cutout half the time. But for me, utilizing this time to, to become better at those things, to become better at communicating with people, to become better at just a better person in general. Because the analogy I give, like, I don't want to be on my fucking deathbed like and surrounded by 
hack squats surrounded by fucking weight plates surrounded by fucking this meaningless fucking metal this meaningless iron that i've like dedicated all of these fucking years to like what would i rather have would i rather have that or would i rather be surrounded by the people that i've built relationships with the people that love me and the people that i love them back so a lot of people don't really think about that they don't think about like the implications later on down the line where they're dedicating all of this time and they're just beating themselves up all the time so just take a step back that's my my opinion on the matter take a step back utilize this time to kind of level yourself up in different areas that you weren't dedicating time to previous to this i guess yeah it's just a, i mean just a perspective thing right like social media has changed the game for better or for worse we don't know but definitely for always so it's it's hard like as human beings we're not wired to have exposure to that many people right like you know keeping up with the joneses used to be looking in your neighbor's kitchen right but now keeping up with the joneses is every you know curated manicured still shot 7k photo on the gram it's like that can be really daunting because like you know the internet is cached so they think you know that a saved post is legacy it's like that's not legacy man like you know it's 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 a it's a dopamine hit it's a serotonin hit like it's gone it's here today gone tomorrow and it's funny we made the joke just like maybe a month ago five weeks ago it's like because we work so much in person one-on-one with people and like building those relationships and you know we see like the potential downfalls with social media it's like we always made the joke that what if social media just went away like oh man all these online trainers are going to be in a world of hurt it's like no one ever thought to shut the fucking world down right um so and you see it like it's it's like i have like a classroom that i teach with online and i've been able to do stuff like this but for me like you know i get a lot of my energy in a week from three days one-on-one with like 30 to 50 like engaged people that i can converse with and and try to share experiences with and now not even having that is like it's it's like it's like it that's the shock to my system it's like okay now how can i circumvent this if this happens again like how do i stop this from being such a shock right so it's just you know being being aware is the first step to kind of being like self-conscious like what you're actually like what are your holes you could fill in a time like this it's just building that awareness is not necessarily the easiest thing to have because it usually comes that you know like buddy living in the van like you know what is he thinking about when it's dark at night is he thinking about how awesome his session was or is he thinking about fuck how long am i going to live in this van for like you know am am i going to die alone like those are probably thoughts that at some point a human being like a self-actualized human being will probably have Mm. what are some of the things that you think you want to level up because a lot of people Um, a lot of the time i think in especially in this in this world of social media will not necessarily have the opportunity to speak to to guys like you you know and the the even even know even knowing that guys like yourself are are genuine and you wouldn't really i don't feel like it, like you in particular would be putting out any inf- like misinformation or trying to lead people on you know but to this to that same extent like for people who wouldn't know someone like you who would kind of look at your social media page or only know you from social media would probably have a or create a version of you in their own mind and like that version of you might be close to the person who you actually are but in general like what's going on in Jordan Shallow's mind is probably far from what your social media says so for you like in this time like what are some of the things that you kind of want to level up on as such yeah I mean health outside of like actual size like you know I I travel around for a long time at you know 120 kilos ish 
And, you know, 120 kilos when you're flying coach 14 hours from Dubai to Sydney is not a comfortable flight. So, like, I mean, we went, was, I did a walk the other day. We did a walk. It was, set, I did 7,500 steps in a single walk. And it's like, that's a PR, bro. We're going to put that one in the book. Like, fuck. I think today I've maybe done 14 steps because I've been sitting in front of my computer all day. But just being more mindful of things like that. Uh, and then, like, probably a little bit more directly like the business side of things for me like I got here by happenstance man I have no idea what I'm doing on the business end like I had an accountant or I had a call with a, a bookkeeper and accountant the other day and I had to google search what the fuck a bookkeeper even does <laughs> I had no idea so I mean there's obvious like for me like that idea of like I mean I've, I've always been somewhat of like an avid reader um, so reading more on things that I wouldn't usually read um, I've gone back and revisited a few books that are just outside of my scope, but also, you know, now that like, we're so ingrained in the education space. And like you said, there's so much misinformation, excuse me, misinformation. I've taken a lot of time to actually revisit a lot of the education material and trying to read more books that I didn't read when I was going through school. Like I did a decade where all the only thing I read was anatomy biomechanics, every shred of every research journal, every textbook, every you know, Russian translated training manual, read it. Um, so when I graduated, it's like, I, I realized that the communication part was where I struggled. Like I had all this information, but put me in a room full of 30 people and I thought, like I couldn't get it out. So that was something I've been focusing on for a long time. And now it's almost circling back. Like I haven't focused on keeping up on, you know, the latest literature for the last six months or eight months. I've been focusing on like, you know, reading a, reading a room, delivering, delivering content in a different way. So there's, you know, it's multifaceted, but it's, I think the thing with me is, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but like, there's always kind of keeping an inventory, like this, this time off, like with the way my job is, it's not necessarily like a, I don't want to say it's necessarily a huge shock, but because my life is so variant up till now, this is probably not the shock for me and just my routines as it is for most people. So there's always kind of had to have been this push on the, like on the back end to be like, look, you know, this month you're going to try and read this book, or you're going to listen to a few podcasts on this topic um, and just pick. Sometimes it's like personal development. Sometimes it's business. Now I just have more time to do that. So the last couple of months have been, you know, kind of staying the course, learning more on like in like the kind of honing the craft, but, you know, at a point where the economy and finances and the thing around the industry, like around the fitness industry is all sort of unknown. That was, that's a big hole for me that I need to fill. Cause like, look, I lift weights and I talk about lifting weights, but I don't have a background in business. Um, so whatever that hole is for whoever you are, like, I think work on that. I think a lot of people make the mistake of like, Oh, I heard this guy on the podcast you know, he's reading a lot about business and he recommended this book and this book. So I'm going to read a lot about business. It's like, is, do you need to, yeah. is that your, is that going to benefit you? Like if figure out what it is that you need, like I need to read about that because I own a business and it's a big issue because I want to continue to own a business. Um, but a lot of people, I think they just kind of go the way so or like they sort of follow the tide. Like, Oh yeah, I'm going to read about business. It's like, do you own a business? Like make sure whatever, whatever this time is like fill it, as best you can and as efficiently as you can, because hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be on the other side of this thing soon. I think that's the trouble nowadays is everybody has this because everybody's living online and everybody sees other people. Like it's almost like this pressure nowadays, even if you're in the fitness industry or a coach or whatever you are, like 
it's almost this pressure that you're not only just a coach now, but you're like the so-called entrepreneur. And like entrepreneur, the word entrepreneur gets thrown around so many times. Like you're just basically a fucking coach who just does things and earns money by yourself. You don't work for a for a, like a company or something like that. But people throw the word around entrepreneur, and it's I think it's 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 kind of it's kind of sad and it's kind of counterproductive. I feel like I I I listen to a lot of Gary Vee stuff. Like Gary Vee is probably probably the man of the moment at the moment when you're talking about entrepreneurial like motivational stuff. But in the same breath, I'm kind of like it's counterproductive because you're like you're putting out a fucking facade of this fucking entrepreneurial like genius but it's not necessarily that that got you to the point of being a successful entrepreneur in the first place so uh, for me I'm, all, I'm always questioning things i'm always questioning why people do things like why are you doing this why are you doing that i'm not necessarily the sort of person that can get on well with reading like and part of me wants to part of me wants to break down that fucking barrier of being able to pick up a fucking book and read it and actually enjoy it and be like immersed in it rather than me reading halfway through one fucking page and then my continuing to read but my mind is somewhere else you know like it's one of these struggles for me and I feel like um I feel like I need to better myself at that and I feel like a lot of other people need to better themselves at that as well but what are some of the things that you would like some books that you would recommend or to, to like leveling up or mindset, not necessarily for business because I'm not really, really like interested in that right now. I don't think that would add that much value to people right now, but I think for sure, like being able to level up and in your mindset, people would take value from that. So what are the sort of things that you would recommend for that? Yeah. I mean, there's one genre, like I always go back to, uh, and it's not the typical, you know, Instagram business mindset books and we all know the titles like yeah. the subtle art is not giving a fuck it's like fuck go fist yourself get out of here with that <laughs> nonsense your orange cover and your swear word get out of my face that's do you know what that's, it's that's, so that's, it's it's so refreshing to hear someone on the same fucking wavelength because I've had these thoughts so many fucking times <laughs> oh, man it's just yeah there's a lot of slapstick self-serving like you know the same like if you're if your idea of leveling up or like improving your mindset is reading a book by Aubrey Marcus, it's like I why don't you just go like jerk off into a hand towel instead? Like like get out of my face with this bullshit. Like you want to level up, gain some perspective, and read about times when things were really really bad. You got six months. That'll be what you need to read the Gulag Archipelago. Go ahead, go ahead. Read about what happened in Russia and the Ukraine in the early 1900s. Do it. Then think about like, oh, I don't have a place to train and then try and say that with a straight face. Like try and try and complain about literally anything in your life. My favorite book, and, and I'll stop ripping the piss out of people who have a lot of money, <laughs> but my favorite book is a book called If This Is a Man by Primo Levi. Okay. It's like, I don't know, like I've done a lot of lives and a lot of stuff and I feel like I recommend this book to people more than anyone else. It's the hardest book I've ever had to read and I've read it. Uh, I don't know, a dozen times, maybe more. Um, and it's not, it's not hard because it's written in like iambic pentameter. It's not like Shakespeare shit. It's hard because like it is a firsthand account of this man named Primo Levi who lived or was captured by Nazis in, in 1942 and lived 11 months in 19, from 1942 to 1943 in a Nazi concentration camp during the largest concentrated killings of, of Jews and um in world war ii and he writes this first-hand account of what it was like 
like you know they 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 roughed him up pretty bad and he ended up i think with like a like his like hand was all busted so for the longest time like for a few months after the camp he couldn't actually write but the second he could start writing again he documented the whole thing and he put it in a book called if this is a man and it's like dude like you, you can't read that book and not cry like you just can't because it's just it's the most horrific experience you could ever imagine and when you put the book down and you realize that like the sun is shining or the sun isn't shining I don't have I don't have steel on on my on my windows. I don't have bars on my windows. I don't have chains on my ankles. I don't have to listen to the level of the toilet bucket that everyone shits in to think, oh wait, it sounds like it's getting kind of full. Hey, guy sleeping with his feet in my face, don't go to the bathroom for the next six hours because if you go, you're gonna have to fill. You're gonna go have to empty a bucket across hundred yards in the snow. Probably end up spilling that shit on your feet, and your shit-covered feet are going to be in my fucking face. We're both going to get infected, and we're both going to be put to death. So it's like mm. every time you go to the bathroom, it's like you want to talk gratitude. It's like it's not sitting here doing your fucking Instagram story while you're going to like you know get your takeaway latte. Like gratitude is like I can go to the bathroom, and I'm not going to get fucking cholera, and I'm not going to get shot in the back of the head by some fucking trigger-happy SS. Like that. I don't, it's a weird way to look at mindset. But even now, like, you know, I, I've had a friend of mine call what this, you know, this virus shit is the largest social disruption since World War II. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, then if you want to glean perspective on this situation, perhaps you should look at the larger social disruption. And that was World War II. So I've always been drawn to that time in history and other times of just like atrocity because it's just, it helps recalibrate things for you. Like, oh no, like, they canceled my seminar in Perth. And then you open a book. There's another book I like called, um, it's called uh, Ordinary Men by Robert Browning. And you crack that open and you're like, oh, on this day in 1942, um, this battalion killed 25,000 Jews. I don't really care about that seminar anymore. <laughs> so yeah. that, I mean, it's, 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 it's a bit of a morose way to look at mindset. But for me, it's something that's like very, like everything is relative. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we grow up and like, if you're a millennial, like, you know, what, what do you, what do you got? You got 9-11 was kind of crazy. Like we all kind of remember where we were out there. There was some blackouts. I don't know. I kind of remember when, where I was when I heard about like the Columbine shooting and there was like the war in Afghanistan, which was kind of like going on for a while. That's like kind of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I've never had to deal with any problems, man. Like, Oh no, a seminar got canceled. Oh well. But if if I didn't have this perspective and didn't go out and seek out like, you know, what actual hard times were like for people, I might be like, fuck, it's like the worst thing ever of all time, man. Like, oh they cancel and they cancel next weekend. Oh, this is this is fucking terrible. It's like I'm gonna go take a shit and I'm not gonna get infected and shot in the back of the head. So life's pretty good. <laughs> I love that quote. You should fucking get that quote written on a t shirt, buddy. <laughs> I'm gonna put it on the. I'm gonna put it on the cover of a book and sell it right next to the subtle art of not giving a fuck. <laughs> uh, this is one of the things that frustrates me actually. Well, it doesn't necessarily frustrate me because I get it and I understand it. But a lot of people like will talk about gratitude and how you can practice gratitude. And like for me, it never never really has settled. It doesn't really settle with me that that well because, it, and you put it into perspective like insanely to be able to kind of weigh up what your options are what your options right now in perspective to what someone options were back in world war ii you know but how do you practice gratitude because it's easy enough for somebody to kind of say like you should be doing these things you should be practicing gratitude but 
and I think a lot of people know that they should try and do that. But what what are some things that you feel grateful for? Yeah, I mean that's hard because it's a similar conversation that you could have around religion. Beliefs are weird things; they don't really exist, right? Like how we act them out. But the thing with like gratitude as a practice is to discuss the practice of gratitude is in itself to diminish the actual intent behind the practice, right? Like it's the philosophy thing all over again. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in Australia. Caleb, my partner is Australian and, and we've been here for three, probably three out of six months or three out of five months this year. So I was here when there was a lot of fires, right? When the, when the bushfires kicked mm-hmm. off, man, we were in Bondi beach where we are currently and like smoke was coming in from the South coast and it was, it was terrible. Like, I lived in California during like pretty bad fires and nothing compared to this. And I remember this guy, and I don't want to, I'm not going to name names, but like, I remember this guy like posting, you know, people were like, you know, sharing things to donate to wires and like, uh, to, well, wires is this animal um, rescue program that goes around this animal rescue charity. And it was, it was great, man. Like, you know, you love to see collective efforts and people using their influence for, for good. And then this one guy like goes on and, and everyone's posting pictures of like koalas getting rescued and all this stuff. There's one guy just posted a picture of him at like the beach, like from a time before the fires. And he was just like, you know what? Uh, unlike everyone else, I'm not trying to capitalize on this atrocity. Like I donated my money in silence. And like, I just, this is how I want Australia to be represented. I was like, dickhead. Like, do you not see the irony in what you're doing? Like you're fucking yeah. glad handing yourself with social media. It's like, Gratitude for me is when, like, have you ever seen, all right, I know you've seen the movie The Town. Yeah. Have you seen the movie The Town? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So gratitude, gratitude is when Ben Affleck rolls up and goes, look, we're going to hurt some people. You, you know, like, you can't ask me about it now. You can't ask me about it later. And Jeremy Renner looks at him and goes, whose car are we taking? That's gratitude. When homie says, grab the baseball bat, and your first answer is, who's driving? That's gratitude. It's mm-hmm. not it's, it's not anything more. It's an action, right? It's not a thought. It's not, it's, it's, you know, especially now, like, you know, people, people reach out to people reach out to me and they, you know, and I'm not going to like reenact the thing. Cause I think it's, then it's a self ingratiating jerk off on a podcast. And it's like, there's enough of that out there as it is. So for me, it's like, do shit for people. Like, you know, do things to help people. It's not that hard. Like, that's how I think, you show gratitude like gratitude is like it's like character that only matters when it's tested right like what do you do when it's actually when some when the fucking when the bill comes who's reaching for it you want to show like that's it's it's not a thought it's not like this feel good like bill burr does this bit uh, or not bill burr uh, louis ck does this bit about how he always thinks about giving his seat up to a guy in the military when he's in first class he never does it but he always just thinks <laughs> about it. as a soldier walks by and just like Oh, and he thinks about like how good it would feel to give my seat, my first class seat up to this guy who like fights for it. And he doesn't do it. Right. Mm. But, and he's obviously taking the piss. Like he's a comedian. He's pretty funny. Yeah. And, but he says just the thought of that alone makes him feel good. And I think that's a really interesting and very like raw truth narrative to the way a lot of people approach gratitude. Like the thought, the, the fact that they thought, Oh, I could give my seat up to this guy who fought for my country. And that's enough for them. That's their mm. gratitude. But no, gratitude is grabbing your Louis V and heading into the fucking seat over the plane or over the over the wing next to the fucking toilet where this guy's gonna sit 
and have him sit back with his feet up. That's actually gratitude. Yeah. It's the action of getting your ass out of that fucking chair. And not many people are willing when the rubber hits the road to actually get their ass out of that fucking chair. So it's like, that's what, it's just social media just finds a way of ruining everything. So for me, that's, yeah, that, that's how I practice it, man. And it's like, I practice it in silence, anonymously, wherever I can to whoever, whoever needs it. And it's like, I, you know, I, and to, to go to elaborate any more than that and give examples would, would ruin the purpose of me doing it for why I do it. I fucking love that, buddy. Absolutely love that. What's next for Jordan Shallow? What have you got um, lined up? What's, dude, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> just wake up tomorrow. So, I mean, yeah, we're in Bondi Beach right now and, and we'll, we'll hang out and, um, we'll just see what happens with the travel bans. I love, like, super keen to get back on the road. Actually meant to be in the UK in July. So, hopefully, mm -hmm. that happens. Um, so I got to have some private seminars or not private, like public seminars that are not a part of like any of the, the commercial gyms I work with. Um, so Killarney, um, Killarney, Nottingham and Manchester, and we'll pop down to London. Um, would like to stop through like Orpington, see, see Jimmy yeah. and, and them and, um, and work our way down. But, uh, yeah, that's really it, man. Hanging out here, just trying to, trying to get stuff done on the business end. Trying, honestly trying to do as much as this as I can like trying to catch up with people like man how long would like how long would it go if like if we didn't have this time to actually be able to sit and chop it up right like uh, know, it might be July it might it might yeah so it's mm -hmm. it's cool to be able to make the most of this time man like been able to catch up with people like you know how the industry is like you know I I come in for a week and you got the the fucking camera and we're shooting and then like you know Ben's got 10,000 things for you to do. It's like, hey, what's up, bro? Like, oh, okay, bye. And then yeah. we're gone again. It's like, oh, I follow him on Instagram. Like, oh, how cool is this picture of me, like, holding this thing that wasn't actually there? Let's go. And then it's just like, you know, a couple of I was going to remake that picture. I was going to remake that picture a couple of weeks ago with a fucking big old, a massive corona fucking, like, the, the coronavirus. <laughs> that would have been, like, squeezing cool. it. That image it's is fucking incinerated. cool as well. I don't know. I don't even that know what the fuck you were doing. <laughs> for me to get that image, but picture uh, but no, it's, it's cool like I don't know take the time to take the time man like and I think a lot of people are if there's a lesson to take away from this it's it's that like I don't know probably just more of this stuff honestly like yeah. um, sitting around catching up getting some work done enjoying it and kind of recharging and then hopefully I can get another two years on the road after this when all this is said and done awesome what would be the, we're going to, I'm going to end the podcast now, but just, just quickly, briefly, if you, if you had, if you could go back to the, to the Jordan shallow of 10 years ago and give, give him one piece of advice, what would it be? Nothing. 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 Make all the mistakes you made. Nah, man. Why? I'm in a great place right now. And if every, if I were to change one thing, who knows where I'd be? That's not going to get better than this. Like I go back and give him a piece of advice. Like, I don't know. I, you know, I think that's a thing. That's a mistake people make. Like, I'm sure like, especially in with the quality of work you do, you get a lot of guys like in coming up, like, you know, they want to, they want to do both. They want to do like this coaching media hybrid thing that they see you doing. And it's like, the one thing I never did was I never messaged anyone in my field for like advice. Like, oh, like I want to be like a strength coach, chiropractor, powerlifter, like any advice. Like I never did that. Cause like, the reason that person's in a position where I might want their advice is likely because they took a, like they made a lot of mistakes to get there. 
So like, I don't want to, and I'm reluctant when people ask me for advice, like, first off, like, trust, go to smarter people when you're asking for advice, like, don't waste your time with me. But at the same time, it's like, dude, I don't want to tell you anything. Like go out and experience what you're going to experience and fuck up the 17 million ways you're going to fuck up. And then just, you know, unfuck up yourself 17 million in one ways and you'll be sweet. So it's like, I feel like you almost rob people of that experience. Like, if you go, oh, well, here's, oh, you're going to do that? No, 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 don't do that. It's like, ah, oh, dude, like, man, if he would have walked straight, like, head first into that glass door, he would have known that glass door was there for the rest of his life, right? So I'm, like, super reluctant on, like, if you have, like, a memory that sits with you or you have something, like, you need to figure out why, like, what you haven't learned from that situation and get over it. I'm not one for, like, looking back in the past for anything, like, pretty – I, I wouldn't change any anything with how like where I am currently. So I couldn't go back and incite that Jordan ten years ago to do anything different. Like, yeah, I slept in my car. Like, yeah, I didn't have enough. Like, you know, the, there was often a debate of like, okay, if I walk to the grocery store, I can get more food, but I have to carry more food. But if I drive, I have to fill up the tank, and then I won't have enough money for more food. But I'm also going to be expending more calories if I'm walking to the store. So maybe I should drive. And it's like, you know, I don't know how to look at an ATM reader like I don't have money in my account. Like, I don't know how to look like when someone hands you the thing to put your credit card in. I don't know how to look at that thing like I'm not thinking, oh, fuck, please don't decline. Yeah. I, don't, like, I don't know how to physically do that. It's like abnormal. What do normal people do? Like, what do, what do people, and I'm like watching other people, like, oh, we just put the card in and like looked away. That's, that's amazing. I'm sitting there just like the bead of sweat is dripping over the forehead. Like, what the fuck? Is there enough money in the account? But it's like, I don't know. I learned that. So now it's like, you know, if I need to like save money for something, it's like, oh my God, I have money to save. This is fucking brilliant. So now nah, I, would, I wouldn't give them any advice. I would be like, yep, you're going to do, you're going to fuck up a thousand ways, enjoy it. And that'd be really be it. Dude, it's been an absolute pleasure in speaking to you, and it's a refreshing to speak to someone who's on a who's on the same sort of wavelength as well. And I think uh, a lot of th I think a lot of people will take value from from listening to some of the stuff that we talked about today. Hopefully, they will anyway. So, I really appreciate well, you I taking do. the time, dude, uh, oh, to course, to come yeah. on here and and just like fucking yeah, hit up some conversations. It's been awesome, buddy. Yeah, dude, great to catch up. Thanks for having me on.